Welcome to the IoT Security Podcast, powered by Phosphorus Cybersecurity, your source for securing the extended Internet of Things. Join the conversation with your hosts, Brian Contos and John Vecchi. Well, hello, everybody. You're listening to the IoT Security Podcast, live on Phosphorus Radio, and I'm John Vecchi. And I'm Brian Contos, and we have a really, really special guest today. Joining us is the Ayatollah of Rock and Rolla himself, the master of disaster, Jeffrey Vinson. Welcome to the show, Jeffrey. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you for that intro. So, uh, Jeffrey, we've known each other now for uh, many years, and you've uh, you've you know you've you've had leadership positions uh, really throughout your life, but maybe you could give us a little bit of background on kind of how you came up and got into cybersecurity and what it is you do now. Well, yeah, like you said, Brian, I've been in this industry for over twenty five years, uh, doing this at all across the spectrum. You know, from military, federal government, local, state government. Um, you know, I came up through the way of uh, initially being in IT, um, working there, of course, military signal officer, uh, as I was doing it in the 90s was a transition over to more of the, uh, what I call the server side. So natural progression for me to go from doing IT things to securing those networks from a Cisco perspective, uh, IDS uh, perspective. And again, naturally now I call myself a pure cyber guy. Uh, I, 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 I look at what I do as the, the special forces uh, of, of, of technology. So pure cyber, uh, still have those hardcore uh, IT skills, but a cyber guy that, that looks at how to defend uh, an organization against these cyber threats out here. Yeah, that's always interesting. You know, we meet so many people in the industry that do come from that military background. And I'm wondering if not only the leadership skills, I'm, I'm certain they port, but just the operationally, how you approach problems and, and kind of view risk mitigation. Does that port well from from sort of the, the military life to what you're doing now as a civilian? Yeah, it certainly does. You know, in, in my military days, I was an officer. You know, I, I just so happened to be in doing the uh, global war on terrorism. So, uh, you know, I, I traveled across the pond to help defend against what was happening after 9-11 so when you look at leadership, you know, you lead from the front and you have a lot of terms from the military, tip of the spear, all of those things. So when you look at that and you bring that down to the cyber perspective, it, it's a, a natural fit, right? It's a natural fit. If you look at um, defending sometimes and, and being out there looking at reconnaissance, what's coming towards us and how do we get into a defensive posture uh, to protect against those threats. But then there are times where you have to take the fight uh, to the enemy. And, and certainly you know, we have to do that sometimes in cyber as well, where we start going out there and not just blocking and tackling, but taking uh, certain organizations down, infiltrating those, those organizations and, and sending things back their way that they're, they're bringing towards us. So it's a, it's a great fit. And Jeffrey, uh, I love that, the, the kind of thought of the special forces, you know, of IT and IT security. Um, and if you think in terms of the special forces themselves, they're, they're trained in certain areas, you know, very specifically. Um, when you think in terms of cyber and what are some of the areas you consider, you know, that make up 
your special forces and cyber, some of the key areas? Is, is there some that just trickle to the top that you can talk about? Yeah, yeah. some of the key areas. When, when you look at it from an a IT perspective, you know, you look at the, the, the common goal is availability, right, in, in IT. Mm-hmm. Uh, is the blinking light on, right? Am I passing data? But when you look at it from a cyber perspective, I need to know more than, than that light is blinking. I need to know and understand how it's working. Mm-hmm. The bits and bytes down on a level that typically you don't get to see from an IT perspective, right? So when I look at the skill set from cyber, I, I, I certainly translate a lot of the things I learned from the military uh, into my civilian life in cyber by saying, first and foremost, I need you to be certified. You cannot say you're a sniper without going to sniper school in the military, mm-hmm. right? You, you can't yep. say you're special forces without going through all the training. So one of the things I do on my teams is I make sure that they have all of the cyber training and certifications. Everybody on my team has to have a cyber certification. Even my chief of staff has to have some cyber experience because we have to understand what the goal is, where we're moving towards, and they also need to understand if they need something, who to go to. So everybody on my team is certified in some shape or form, whether that's on risk, whether that's on a tool, uh, even getting down to specifics on vendor tools, but everybody has to know how things work because we not only need to understand how to protect these things, but in an advisory role, much like in the special forces sometimes, we have to go and advise certain people what to do. So Mm -hmm. all of my people can advise the business on what they need to do to protect EPHI, the patient information, and protect the organization from from cyber attack. And we do it very well. Let's uh let's double click on that. You were talking a little bit about, you know, what it's like working on the healthcare side. Uh, you know, you you talk with your peers, CISOs in a vast number of organizations, financial services and uh, public sector, so on and so forth. And then you ha- I know you have your healthcare ISACs and the folks that you work with uh, in your area that are leaders uh, within healthcare providers, maybe payers, sciences, so on and so forth. What are what are maybe some of the chief concerns that you see in healthcare that are maybe concerns above and beyond or different from, you know, other verticals like financial services or manufacturing? Well, that's a great question. So, so in healthcare, it's, it's different than all of the other industries because at the end of the day, it's really about saving lives, patient safety, you know, positive patient outcomes, financial services. It's about the numbers, right? You know, and mm-hmm. am I protecting your financial investments? Depends on what you are. Are the investors happy? Are the stocks moving? But in healthcare, it's about protecting patients and saving lives. So it's a very daunting task. It's, and you have to have a very delicate balancing act when it comes to cybersecurity and patient safety. We've been doing this, I'll say, at my organization. I've been there nine years. And the industry is slow to catch up with us, uh, as well as if you look at the actual HIPAA compliance. It came about in 1996. We had some evolution in 2001. Then, of course, 2009, 2013. But historically and overall, healthcare has not changed a lot of the HIPAA and security rules for years. If it's not keeping up with what's going on, how can you ever protect it? So you look at what's going on in, in, in the financial services, the SEC. Uh, they're starting to mandate that you, you need to have some cyber expertise on the board. Healthcare mm-hmm. doesn't have that, right? Healthcare doesn't have that. Yet it's the number one attack industry. So I'm hoping that we'll see some things from a, a, a say, a legislative uh, standpoint here very soon 
I know this current administration has been uh, trying their best to, to bring about a lot of change as far as the you know critical infrastructure, you know, 72 hour window to report uh, an incident, maybe 48 hours if you got hit with ransomware. There's a lot of movement that's happening uh, in healthcare, but again, the other industries, most certainly they get attacked, but the challenge in healthcare is they will not, I'll say, focus on all the things you need to do to secure the enterprise because at the end of the day, the patients are at risk, but at the same time, cybersecurity is certainly a patient safety issue. So it's it's kind of a, a catch-22, but it's a, it's a very difficult challenge at the same time. And Jeffrey, what are some of the you, you were talking about the fact that, you know, healthcare in, in one sense is a little bit maybe behind or just thinks about it differently than, say, financial services, but yet they're, they're, they're an attack target in, in many ways. Why is that? And, and, and what, are, what are some of the attack methods that you're seeing in healthcare that might be different than some other industries out there? Well, I'll tell you, I'll just give you some data points. So in, in healthcare, we have something that's called a wall of shame. The Office of Civil Rights uh, requires that any uh, organization, covered entity, business associate, that they have to report uh, a breach of 500 records or more, right? Mm. Uh, and this came about, I believe, in maybe 2008, 2009. So last year, uh, during the same time period, there were about 280 breaches reported. Oh. Now, fast forward a year later, we have 580, right, or so. Wow. So. Clearly, the numbers indicate that there's still a challenge uh, in healthcare. Mm -hmm. Some of those challenges are, again, uh, you, you look at what's at stake, the patient safety. So you have the infusion pumps, uh, you have Pixis machines, you have all types of things that are internet of medical things, IoT mm -hmm. devices for medical purposes that need to be protected, but no one really wants to uh, do that in a fashion where it might interrupt and influence a negative patient outcome. But at that same note, everybody is fully aware that healthcare is the number one attack industry. Mm -hmm. The other industries, of course, you know, again, they don't have the same risk far as uh, life safety issues, right? So for an example, if your credit card gets compromised, you might know within seconds because they'll shut off your credit card, right? You know, they'll tell mm -hmm. you we have some suspicious activity cancel that card and reissue you another one. In healthcare, once your medical record is compromised, you can't get a new medical record, right? If you're on that table and a ransomware event happens uh, in real time, what are you going to do uh, other than fall back on your downtime procedures? So it's, it's very difficult and, and you know, it's, it's alarming with those numbers I just gave you of what's happening. Uh, Clearly, things did not slow down during COVID. Uh, we're three years into COVID, and the again, those numbers I just gave you indicate there's no slowing down. So mm -hmm. they're just coming and coming. And if you look at healthcare versus some of the other industries, everyone knows that it's 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 the wild wild west, right? And and everybody's challenged right now for resources. And what you see is healthcare at the end of the day. When I keep talking about the patient safety. If you get hit with a cyber attack, ransomware, the healthcare organizations more than likely are going to pay because they cannot operate and people cannot sustain working in their downtime procedures for weeks, right? You know, people don't just don't practice that. You know, mm -hmm. and there have been some major ones in the news here recently, uh, and you hear about them, but you don't get the gory details on truly the impact because 
they will kind of downplay it and say, well, we were still able to treat patients. You know, that may be true, but, you know, there are indicators that because your systems are down, you don't know how to administer the medicines properly. Uh, you may have to transfer them to another facility. And when you own diversion, it may be a few miles away or it may be 100 miles away. So it's a, a very challenging industry and it, it really needs some some true uh, I'll say evolution to to really combat the issues that are happening. Yeah, you know, and Jeffrey, in, in healthcare, it's pretty clear that every dollar you spend on cybersecurity is a dollar you can't put into uh, a, a patient's care. You know, hiring doctors and nurses, buying MRI machines, and and things of that nature. So that's there. There's always going to be a trade off. But given the wall of shame, knowing that you're the most attacked business vertical out there. The, the growing volume, even across COVID, the high profile events, you've been, you've been doing this for a while with a healthcare provider. Are the leader, is, is leadership, I'm not talking about security leadership, just leadership overall, because I know you've been in a thousand of these meetings. Did they get it? Is it, is it, is it something that it's, it's one of the, the key concerns that they understand that cybersecurity and patient uh, care kind of go hand in hand, or is is this still a matter of education and awareness? Well, you know, I, I still, I, I'd like to say they do get it, but at the same time, they don't. You know, you know there's, there's been some movement of the needle uh, with a lot of the profile, high profile breaches. But as you, as you stated there, you know, once you invest in cyber, you can't do some other things. And what we've been trying to do uh, at, at my organization is, is rebranded. So we use things, as I said before, cybersecurity, is patient safety. Uh, we just had National Cybersecurity Awareness Month last month, so we came up with this cyber care is patient care. But overall, when you look at the industry, certainly they still don't get it. That direct correlation, uh, I for some reason, is not being able to be hardwired into the clinicians and the organization. It has to be hardwired. They really do not get that the cybersecurity aspects truly does in, in, impact those positive patient outcomes and quality of care. Um, and I believe, as I talked about the other industries, SEC, financial services, how they're mandating uh, cyber expertise on those boards, there needs to be some mandates in healthcare because they're not doing what they need to do uh, to change. And, and, and again, it really goes back to the question is, do they really understand, you know, I, they do and they don't at the same time because most organizations, still see uh, cyber as a technical piece, but it's not. It's a business enabler, business protector, and protecting this, this patient care. And, and once they change it from that IT talk, and IT security, which is a term with, with my teams we don't use, where the information security or, or the cyber team, you have to put it on, on that business lens, just like you look at business continuity and resiliency, if they do that, and if it's, it's if it's mandated down to the CEOs of the organizations, I'm certain they will get it. You know, but but by and large, they don't. Uh, as as you hear and see in the news, that you know they they just for some reason have not been able to get that direct and hardwired you know correlation between cyber care and patient care, and and uh, that's part of my mission to to make sure they they understand that. Hmm. Let's talk a little bit, Jeffrey, zero in a little bit on, you know, this is a podcast about what we call the extended internet of things or XIOT. And 
that's pretty broad, right? <clears throat> it covers all the enterprise IoT you know, devices you might think of, things like printers, cameras, VoIP phones and things. In your cases, medical healthcare, internet of things, medical devices and all those kinds of things. All the kind of network devices, right? It could be a layer two switch or a wireless access point or router or a network tat storage or something like that. And then you've got kind of what we call the OT kind of industrial control system, SCADA side of things. And all of that is what we call the extended internet of things. Um, I can imagine that's two, my question's a little bit twofold. I imagine it's challenging because of the broad area of those devices in a healthcare environment, because you may have kind of typical IoT devices combined with, with medical devices and very critical care devices, as you said, that kind of life and death. Many of those, perhaps, maybe you can tell us, might not even be managed by you. Maybe there's a outside third party that kind of manages some of those devices. Um, and and how does all? How do you think of all that? How do you approach all of that? And and how do you view it from your perspective as part of your attack surface? Well, great, great question again, John. And and, and as you said, it's very complex with all those devices. Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly, everything has an operating system. It has internet capability, networking capability. And to your point, uh, uh, largely my team is not aware. Uh, we try to get our arms around these things because we are at least in tune enough to know that these are risk exposures to the organization, but as you indicated, attack vectors as well. Mm-hmm. So when we look at those medical devices, IoT, IOMT, uh, it's, it's very challenging, uh, very concerning, uh, especially when uh, some things can fit into your pocket, right? Yeah, you know, there, there are devices that people can bring in and they can perform ultrasound capabilities uh, and you not even know it's it's going out. It's it's a, it's a blip on the wire, uh, mm-hmm. right? You know, and, and if you allow certain ports open, like 443 secure port, which you want it to transmit securely, uh, it's a beauty and a curse at the same time because, you know, it, it is transmitting securely, but you can't see anything. So, so it's very challenging. Uh, it's a hard problem uh, that to solve, but I, I certainly know you guys are uh, working your way in there to, to be able to do that and give that, that insight and that forward looking to, to, to do that. But again, as you indicated, very complex, uh, a never ending, what I'll say, uh, uh, threat and risk exposure to the organizations, but they keep coming and coming. And as you look at COVID and you look at you know, the work from home initiative and how these organizations just move to the cloud uh, so uh, people can continue to provide services, not just in healthcare, but all the other verticals, uh, they move without a plan, you know, and a lot of people applaud themselves because it works. But also, I think there's a direct correlation between those numbers I gave you earlier, 280 last year to about over 580 a year later to, you know, the adoption of these uh, fast and, and what we call innovative solutions without security in mind and plans in mind and being able to monitor these things. Yeah, you know what, what's interesting? We So we spoke a little while ago to somebody that works for another healthcare provider. And this particular healthcare provider deals with a lot of uh, well-known individuals, whether they're celebrities or business executives, what what have you. And I'm sure every healthcare provider has some set of this, but this, this one in particular gets a, a, a pretty uneven share of that. And one of the things that they were concerned about were people attacking their healthcare devices, not to encrypt them and, you know, lock them up for ransomware and not to use them for just general, 
you know, access to, you know, sensitive data that might be on the network, but specifically to target information that might be related to those high net worth individuals in order to blackmail them after the fact. And you don't, you don't really think of that necessarily to financial services or retail or manufacturing, but, mm-hmm. and, you know, like you said earlier, you, you get your credit card stolen, uh, you deal with it. It's kind of a pain, but at the end of the day, it's probably going to be taken care of. Uh, and you'll get free credit monitoring services for like a year, which at this point, probably people have that times 50 years. Um, but if you get your healthcare information stolen, Hey, you just had an MRI and they found this, maybe you're an athlete and there was an X-ray and it shows there's a, a problem. I mean, these can be, career limiting or career destroying type type events and embarrassing things like that and one of their one of their biggest concerns was you know we're we're continually printing and scanning stuff and information's there there's security cameras everywhere if somebody was to tap into that and spy on us if they get access to these critical systems i mean there's a lot of sensitive patient information that's not stored in just a database or just a file server and I was, you know, it was a really interesting perspective because unless you're kind of in the business of providing healthcare, you don't necessarily think about that as, is that, is that type of thing saying, where do we have all of our sensitive patient data sitting? And maybe it's on some of these XIOT devices. Is that a, is that a concern that, you know, people like you and your, your team are thinking about right now? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You, you know, it, we're all about protecting that elect, electronic patient health information, right? Protecting those records, our EMR is supposed to maintain uh, all of the key uh, information. However, as you alluded to, there are PAX machines that, that have you know, patient information in there. Uh, there's the MRI machines may have patient information in there. You name it. So how do you know what's there? How do you monitor those things for ingress and egress? I mean, how do you do that? And, and to your point, you know, once that, uh, that, that medical record is compromised, you know, it also may cover your mental health, right? Someone mm-hmm. may not want to know that they have mental health issues because that changes the lens of how people are viewed as well. So uh, protecting that privacy is, is key. So when you look at the security and privacy of the information, uh, you know, that's it's paramount to, to, to doing a, a great job. And in, in, in right now, um, you know, the, the industry is just under attack. I mean, we, we have the the top two we always hear about, you know, China and Russia, but Iran is emerging very rapidly. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, they are they are being very aggressive uh, to the U.S. as well. You know, those nation state attacks and they're very savvy. And it, at the end of the day, they're they're compromising uh, these networks and people don't you know really know what they're after. But again, uh, it's not just a financial standpoint either. It's 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 what we call those recons. You know, critical infrastructure, and I think a lot of folks in my business forget that healthcare truly is critical critical infrastructure, right? Those sixteen uh, critical critical infrastructure uh, designations that are out there, healthcare is a big one, right? And uh, as you saw earlier during the year February, the Ukraine Russia conflict that is still ongoing, all of these uh, CISA alerts, the alerts from the FBI about you know uh, the out of date and obsolete medical devices. You know, you, you look at the, the groups that, that just compromised the, the large organization out in Chicago, uh, Common Spirit. You look at what happened there. I mean, that organization is postured 21 states, uh, a lot of impact just from there, from a ransomware event. And, and, and let's not forget, you know, when we talk about, you know, last year, last December uh, with uh, UKG, the Kronos, you know, in the cloud, uh, how mm-hmm. many organizations were impacted by that? So. So when you look at, you know, what's happening, 
you know, no one really goes and tells you exactly what was the source of the ransomware. Um, but, but again, you know, IOT is, is big, you know, all they need is one entry point, right? Uh, and, and that's, that's how it starts. And, but, but that's what we're not seeing, but we, we do know that clearly as, as we've been talking about, there are so many points of entry that you need to protect, uh, and, and, and it's only uh, so much that you can do. And that's why you, you need to look at uh, getting some solutions in here that can help monitor uh, these systems that, that may not be conventional systems because most of them are not. Yeah. Um, and it's always interesting, I think, for us, Jeffrey, and our listeners to, uh, to just hear a little bit about your actual team and how it's comprised. How, how do you build your team? Who are the, where are the specialty areas? Can you talk just a little bit about how you structure your team and those people and their specific focus to do all the things that you're talking about you have to do every day? Yeah. So, you, you know, I talk a lot about my military foundation. So you look at everybody, no matter uh, what branch you're in, you have to go through what we call the conventional forces, conventional training. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, everybody goes through it so you can have a baseline and then you get into your specialty areas. So I do the same thing for my teams. I like to look for people uh, who have a core understanding of, of tech, but I also like some folks with some softer skills. So um, the way my team is set up currently, you know, we have a team that does all of the monitoring and protection and response and all of those things. Those are my hardcore techies, people who've been downrange. They have all the certifications, you know, the ethical hackers, pen testing, you know, IDS, you know, they know all the, all the technology, blocking, tackling. Uh, they've been doing it for quite some time. Uh, then I have my team that looks at risk. Uh, even my risk people are certified in that in that arena. They understand the tech, but if they don't understand it, they partner uh, with the folks on the side to do all of my security uh, operations piece. So when I look at that, you know, it's it's people who have a passion for it who need to be very attention to detail. And what we try to ensure is people realize that we are not just technology; we are the business enablers. We mm-hmm. provide that strategic lens to the business so they can make informed decisions all the way up to the board level. You know, we're lucky at my organization that we have the attention from the CEO. Uh, so we get an opportunity to brief our CEO every month on what we see uh, are the threats to the organization, what's happening in healthcare, and then we bubble out uh, to what's happening uh, across the industry. Uh, so he pays very much uh, close attention to what's happening. And in those briefings, we're also able to uh, show what we're doing uh, to make sure these things are not happening at our organization. So, again, the build out of my team uh, is pretty much those hardcore cyber professionals, people that understand the technology and, and they cannot be afraid, again, to advise, you know, the IT folks and the rest of the business on how we need to do things and why we need to do them. Now, of course, you know, at the end of the day, it's about patient safety. Um, so there are some times where uh, we always say we will bend, but we will not break. Right. So so mm-hmm. the, the key is to give them what they need. We are not the operational or shop that talks about. No, uh, you hear that all the time in cyber. People are always saying, no, well, we've never just said no. Uh, even if there's a situation where we don't advise, um, we we do just that. We advise you that this is not the approach I ever from a business perspective, if you need to do it, here's how we could do it uh, to minimize the risk. So, so again, my folks uh, understand the business because uh, you have to be more than just a cyber professional. You have to understand the business that you're in, what's at stake, what those out- outcomes are. And again, we are a healthcare organization. 
We want to have positive patient outcomes, the quality of care. We want it to be the best. And we're a teaching institution. So we feel like our organization is, is, is building those, those key leaders for the future. And we want to make sure that cyber is a part of that, right? So as we look at the goals that we have, we're certainly in those goals. We show our organization, our, our, our CEO, in each goal that he has, we can show him how cyber aligns and helps uh, those goals to be achieved. Because at the end of the day, as we look at it and we uh, try to educate and advise, if there is a cyber event, here are the possible you know, negative outcomes. And we can show you proof from these other organizations who've, who've had, this thing, had these things happen and uh, what, what happened with them. So we, we take a lot on the lessons learned. And again, going back to those, those military uh, training in, in those days is, you know, you look at the previous wars and you learn what not to do uh, mm-hmm. and, and how you need to sometimes adapt and overcome uh, to make sure that your organization is fully protected and, and, and aware of, of what's happening. Because again, as the old saying uh, uh, used to be, and I still use it, situational awareness is key, right? Mm-hmm. Knowing is half the battle. And, and uh, we pride ourselves in my organization, our cyber team, of being aware of everything that's happening out there. A lot of times people may send us something, we'll get it today and we're like, we don't tell them, we'll say thanks, but it was like, we knew that a week ago, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, and we've already briefed on that. So we've already briefed internally, we know about it, we know what's coming. So again, and being at that tip of the spear is very important for how uh, I lead my team, and, and again, I have some very sharp people uh, on the team, and, and they're growing, you know, that they're adapting. But again, at the end of the day, it's about those positive patient outcomes, and we make sure that, that we have that happening. Well, clearly, you've built an amazing team because it's hard for me to find a day when I go on LinkedIn where you're not getting an award or <laughs> some, someone's asking you to... Uh, you know, be their spokesperson or so I, I don't know, you're, you're there all the time. There's it's, it's, it's like LinkedIn is, is, is Jeffrey Vincent. Yeah, but, you, know, uh, you said, I, I attribute that to my team. I tell them all the time, I'm just a handsome face out there, but it's really their work that's getting that recognition. So thank you for that. <laughs> well, you know, I'm wondering, Jeffrey, you know, you're, you're on this front line and you've been on these front lines for, for so long. Are there any interesting kind of war stories or use cases that you can kind of anonymize and, and maybe share with us? Well, you know, there, there are several that, that come to mind. And, you know, I, I tell people, you know, cyber is a bit of like the Internet police when you come to, to organizations. And, and sometimes, you know, that that wide net. So one, one thing I can share and I can let me try to clean it up a bit is when, when we see all this interesting traffic here. So Houston, fourth largest city in the nation, the Texas Medical Center is the largest in the world. So there are always people operating here, the nation states that are probing, prodding, uh, attempting to get inside of oil and gas, hospitals, you name it. So, you know, we're operating, we're doing our thing. And as I said, we, we're have, we have very strong attention to detail. And in one of our, the things that we've been doing very well for years uh, are internal phishing campaigns. We started mm-hmm. doing internal phishing campaigns back in 2013, November of 2013. So uh, what's that, how many years is that? I'm do my math. Uh, nine years, right? So we've honed our skills, right? You know, we've sharpened our blade at that. But we also know how to detect that type of, uh, I'll say, attack that's coming. So probably about a year ago, uh, we're looking at interesting traffic that is coming in. Of course, everybody gets fished. 
But we started looking at things that looked like they were possibly targeted for us. These weren't mm -hmm. just drive-bys, right? You know, because sometimes, you know, people are just spraying them like we're trying to figure out who will click and fall for the bait. But these were starting to look like, man, these are just for us. And as you work your tentacles throughout the community, you start asking, hey, are you seeing these types of phishing emails coming in? They were not. So as we dug a, down a bit more and start looking at these interesting toolkits, we found something that was like, okay, this person seems to have this kit. And we dug down a little bit more, found out the GitHub name and all of those things. And come to find out, the guy was actually on a list for the uh, from from the authorities to be looked at. So, mm -hmm. so again, those are success stories of just attention to detail and, and looking at how cyber can, again, be an enabler, but also help the rest of the community. Because as we always talk about now, the big buzzword is cyber is a team sport, and it certainly is a team sport. Uh, and and it's, so it's like share one, help one. And, and as you know, Brian, years ago, 2015, my organization received the first ever cyber threat information sharing grant for the entire entire healthcare public health. And so we pride ourselves on being able to, to, to help and talk to other organizations. But that was a, an interesting story to know that we found uh, a phishing kit out there that was being utilized by someone who was uh, on the radar for from the uh, law enforcement, federal law enforcement. So very interesting. Mm, that's very cool. Um, so, Jeffrey, we're in the midst of the holiday season approaching the end of the year. Um, how could we not ask you, you know, if you gaze into your crystal ball, you look ahead in 2023 and you were, you were to ask your risk team, what's on the horizon? What do you anticipate? Anything you think is coming in 2023? What do you think? What, what's, on, what's, what's up ahead that uh, our listeners might be interested in hearing? Well, I tell you, I hate to sound like the gloom and doom guy. I, I was recently uh, down in Miami speaking at an event, and and of course that's how I was labeled the gloom and doom guy. And mm -hmm. I just don't see a lot of positivity coming out. Uh, I think it's going to be more the same until again we start start holding people accountable. Mm -hmm. I think in this industry, you know, a lot of the leadership uh, they're not being held accountable for what's happening. Um. Clearly, there's not enough talent to go around, mm. but sometimes the blinders are on. People don't want to hear uh, the truth. And as Brian was asking before, uh, do the leader, does the leadership fully understand? I, I, I believe they do and they don't at the same time. So I think we need more accountability. Uh, the federal government cannot save us because they can't even save themselves, right? Mm -hmm. uh, let's just be honest. These federal agencies get breached all the time. Uh, you know, people target them. So if they can't save themselves, how are they going to save us? But I think there does need to be some incentives that are out there that can help. Just like some of the federal dollars were given uh, in the midst of COVID. And then you look at when we had the economic downturn for the automotive in industry, I, I believe there could be some federal assistance mm -hmm. uh, with, with being able to purchase tools uh, that can help uh, these organizations monitor uh, better. Because as we look at, again, moving to the cloud, we have these managed security providers. Um, you know, when the, the hackers know that if I attack this place, I got a thousand people over there, guess what they're going to do? They're going to attack over there and get a thousand companies all at once. Mm -hmm. we, we talk about what happened a couple of years ago with SolarWinds with the uh, what we call the uh, tainted 
software update, right? There's there's all types of ways. So I, unfortunately, I don't see a lot of positivity from a uh, cyber perspective on stopping the breaches, unless again, we get some assistance. Uh, we have some great products in there that can look at, you know, IoT, uh, monitoring of these things that are, you know, for years have been uh, kind of unconventional, if you will. You know, you have your, your video cameras out there. They're everywhere. Uh, how do you know whether they have the default passwords on them? Right? How do you know whether they have those vulnerabilities out there? Uh, and, and just, you know, there's just needs to be more accountability in healthcare. At least they're trying to get more accountability from the medical device manufacturers, right? They're trying to to do that. But until those things happen, uh, I just don't see a lot of improvement. Now that's good for us cyber professionals, right? Because we always have a job, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so there's, as I like to say, there's always a war to fight, right? But at some point you're gonna get tired of fighting those wars, right? Because it's a never ending battle. You do want a, 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 at least a, a little break in. in. So I'm hoping that you know we can get more accountability would be my my desire across all of the industries you know i just saw something recently the uh, city of new york is going to start mandating certain things uh, for their board members once again cyber expertise uh, anything uh, from a pen test you know the ceo and assisto have to sign off on uh, you name it uh, clearly it's not perfect but it's a great start uh, also recommending you know uh, you know threat briefings to the CEO of these boards at least once a year. I'm like, oh man, that's pretty stale. Once a year, a threat briefing <laughs> uh, when things change on a daily basis. So uh, I think it's more the same, but again, we just need, you know, great monitoring tools to, to look at those things that are uh, what I would call not conventional. Yeah. You know, one of the things that you mentioned earlier on that I thought really kind of hit home were these targeted phishing attacks and uh, for example, when we talk about XIoT, most of the time, I would say, you know, it's hard to give a percentage, but I would say the grand majority of the time, most attacks get in through traditional IT means. So a phishing attack that came through email or messaging or social media, whatever, ultimately somebody clicked on something and got infected. When these attackers, whether they're cyber criminals or they're nation states or just some type of rogue nefarious user, they get in. What we're finding now is their first step is look for an XIoT device to compromise. So look for that printer, look for that camera, look for that voice over IP phone, because at the end of the day, they're just Linux operating systems. It's Linux mm. or Android, maybe BSD on the SCADA side, things like VxWorks. But they look for these devices because, one, there's usually about three to five per employee. So 10,000 people in your organization, about 30 to 50,000. So there's a lot. Half of them don't have a password. Or if they do, it's a default password. All of them have vulnerabilities. Right. <laughs> so, And they all have extraneous services and bad certs. So they'll get there so they can main persistence and evade detection because they know nobody's looking. And they'll use those then to attack all those IT devices and then potentially siphon out sensitive data or conduct ransomware attacks, spying through cameras, so on and so forth. But it's a great sort of hide, if you will, back to your sniper analogy earlier. What a great place for a nefarious actor to hide, but an XIoT device, because everyone's so sort of laser focused on the traditional IT assets, not the, to use your words, those unconventional devices mm -hmm. that they have out there. Um, so from my perspective, if I look into my crystal ball, if I'm a nation state or if I'm a cybercrime organization, 
man, that's what I'm going to start targeting now because it's why bang my head against firewalls and IPS and intrusion detection solutions and encryption and app security and everything else when I can just, oh, I can just get in through this KVM switch or this UPS or this load balancer, what have you. Uh, Do you feel that that's going to be the new, new? Well, you know, that's already occurring to your point, you know, an excellent point you just made, those unconventional ways of getting in. Uh, you know, we, we look at the harden of the network, the perimeters, but now the soft spot is what? The end user, right? So you, you all those devices you named, you know, people don't really care about those a lot. They use them, right? The video cameras, they use them, but nobody cares that it has a default password on it, right? They, they really don't look at those things. They're not really being monitored. And, and, and as we look at traditional monitoring, traditional monitoring, most cyber teams don't monitor those, those devices you just named, right? So again, it's already being utilized. And I go back to understanding these large breaches that we're seeing in the news. We know they got hit with ransomware, but no one really indicates how it was compromised, right? Mm-hmm. Ransomware can take on many forms. The most easiest is phishing. But to your point, we don't know, right? But all those other devices are threat vectors and ways to access, and they expose your organization to risk. So excellent point you made. I certainly agree with you. Uh, it is happening right now. Um, they are exploiting those things, uh, and they will continue to exploit those things until people start expanding their focus and their lens to say, hey, these things really do matter. Uh, it is not just about tech. It's about protecting our brand, protecting our enterprise, and also that financial reputation, right? Because as, as if you're in a regulated industry, uh, there are fines that you need to uh, have to be administered if you have a breach, right? So so it's, 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 it's far wide and it's far reaching and it's really about protecting the business at the end of the day. Yeah. And do you think, so, you know, again, we, the, we look at this and see oftentimes 30% of the attack surface can be made up of XIOT devices. It's really a lot. Yes. Um, and, and to your point, you know, no one's looking at this stuff, um, you know, e- even adding on some of the, what we're seeing average age of the firmware is six, seven years old. Um, you know, these things haven't been patched and updated for forever. Um, you know, as you look ahead, Jeffrey, I mean, you seem pretty well aware of these. You're already seeing it. Um, you know, do you think the the awareness of of these you know unconventional devices, these these connected XIoT devices, do you think the awareness will get kind of higher as we move into the next year? Do you think it's going to stay the same? I mean, and and if it's going to stay the same, why? Well, I, I believe more awareness will, will come about, right? You know, as mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier about that situational awareness, uh, knowing is half the battle. So I believe more awareness will come about. You know, CISA is doing some really great things there in collaboration with the FBI and sometimes the uh, NSA are putting out those alerts. And, and I think as they try to alert the, the community those 16 critical infrastructures out there, I believe, again, more awareness will, will certainly be happening. Will we take action on those? I, I, I can't be for certain that's going to happen based upon the numbers that I'm seeing in healthcare alone. And you look at the big, biggest breaches thus far. It's going to be interesting to see at the end of the year, and once we pull all the, the numbers together, how many records overall were breached across all of the, the, the sectors, right? Not just in mm-hmm. healthcare. Last checked, I think uh, maybe a week or so ago, we were up to about 43 million records so far that have been compromised in healthcare alone. 
Uh, let's see what happens overall uh, in, in the States. Again, it, this is a business for them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to all those devices that Brian named, all those, those, the, those devices are opportunities for financial gain for them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. This is no longer about the script kitties. As you alluded to, Brian, nation state cyber criminals, they are making money uh, in this industry. Mm-hmm. And, and, and people need to realize that it is not just about the technology. Uh, this is about these business being enabled, being informed and being able to protect uh, one another is, is where I see this uh, going and where it needs to go. But certainly more awareness will, will come about. Awesome. Well, Jeffrey, this has been amazing. Uh, as always, you're such an eloquent speaker. And I'll just uh, ask you one last question to uh, leave with our listeners here. And, you know, you know, what what words of advice for somebody like you that's been through the trenches uh, would you give to some of our listeners that are working in cybersecurity? Maybe they've been there a short time, maybe a long time, but just kind of you've been through, you've got the battle scars to prove it. What's some advice that you would leave with them? Well, some advice would be um, awareness is key, right? You know, you need to look out there every single day. Uh, I like to use this term. The only secure day was yesterday. Each day is a new challenge for you. So you need to read and be aware. You cannot just be a nine to fiver in cyber and think you're going to be excellent. There are so many things in cyber that, you know, you need to be aware of policies, procedures, risk, uh, and also understand the business that you're in for these up and coming folks out there, even the other CISOs. Understand your business. As I said earlier, there are some times where you're going to have to bend to the business. You know, bend but don't break. Uh, advise them. At the end of the day, we're our advisors to the organizations. We give our expertise. But in order to be the expert, they must trust you, which means you must understand the business. You have to be a business leader that understands cyber, right? So that's what you have to be. So study hard, know what's out there, understand the threats that are in your industry, but most importantly, understand your organization, understand the business outcomes that they want to achieve and show how cyber can align and make them and allow them to achieve those objectives at the same time. But also be aware of the dangers, be aware of the organizations out there that can help you on your journey to protecting your enterprise. When we talk about IOT, look at what organizations are out there that are blazing the trail on looking at how to protect and monitor IOT devices, okay? That's what you really need to do, because, again, we have the network stuff down. Of course, phishing is still a concern, but there's so much technology out there that can help you with the phishing detection. On that same note, make sure you educate your users. Uh, A lot of times this is about educating your users as well and the leadership. They must be advocates for your program. They must be advocates for themselves to make sure their business is protected, because without the advocation, you're going to be spinning your wheels and you ha- you'll have all these battle scars that I have right now. But again, we do things a little differently. We have the, the lens in the ear of our board and CEO, and it's about a culture change. If I would, I would leave that with you as well. Change the culture. You have to make culture a big key, and, and cyber should be part of the fabric of your culture. Uh, that makes your life much easier, and then you will be seen as an equal participant uh, in the business discussions with your organization. Wow, Jeffrey, amazing discussion and tremendous insights. And speaking of awareness, thanks for giving this podcast and our listeners all the awareness of your wisdom and all the the great, incredible stories and advice uh, you provided today. So uh, it was really just fantastic. 
discussion. Yeah, and so, uh, and thanks again, Brian, our co-host, and and thanks so much again, Jeffrey Winston, for joining us today. Thank you guys for the opportunity. See you down the road soon. Brian, let's link up. Fantastic. And remember, everybody, the IoT Security Podcast is brought to you by Phosphorus, the leading provider of proactive, full-scope security for the extended Internet of Things. And until we meet again on the next podcast, I'm John Vecchi. And I'm Brian Contos. We'll see you next time on Phosphorus Radio. Thanks for listening to this episode of the IoT Security Podcast. If you like the show, make sure to subscribe so you can join us again. While you're at it, leave a review. Find out more about IoT security and the podcast at phosphorus.io. See you next time on the IoT Security Podcast.